We are not heroes, nor are we villains. Neither kings nor magicians, but we can tell you their stories. We are the Lore Keepers, and we welcome you to Halloween. Welcome to Halume. This is Lore Keepers, the Boundless Venture, the world-renowned podcasting opus, wherein the richest tapestry of lore and human history is sung into being before your very ear holes. I'm Carter. I'm Frank. Whether you melt jewelry in volcanoes, burn steel to usurp the Aryan throne, or crit on your Grey Warden of Loss, sit a while by our fire. Ho, ho, ho. Weary wanderer. Unless we have a season for that anymore. It's not the season for that anymore. That's that just what I say. Passed. This <laughs> half fortnight, we're talking about a year on Padisati in Outline. But before we get into that and explain what the fuck that means, Frank, how you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm doing good, Carter. Happy New Year. Yep. Bon année. All right. Well, I guess I was like, well, hey, aren't you going to wish me a new year? But uh, but you did. You did in French. Bon, bon année? Bon année? Is it feminine? I think oh, yeah, feminine. it is. Yeah. But obviously, when we're recording this, it's not the new year yet. We've still got we still got a few weeks to go. Um, I'm doing good. Kind of still getting presents wrapped and stuff. Finally got their presents, um, uh, presents for Rachel. Uh, but I still have to I still have to get presents for my family and i don't know don't know what i should get them i got my father's i you know i haven't got my father's ring i'm missing something from my brothers and my dad but i've gotten something from my mom yeah yep have you gotten anything uh do you do you know what any of your presents are uh i might be getting a smartwatch. that sounds fun oh yeah like a pebble or or fitbit or I think Apple it, Watch. I think it. Oh, well, I mean, I don't have Apple products, right? Um, I would. That's why I was the third like fossil? <laughs> okay, gotcha. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I have thought about getting a smartwatch for a while, but I never actually like. I don't know. I didn't feel like I could really justify the the purchase. Not quite yet. That's why it's a gift. Know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm not gonna. I I'm think... not gonna spend like you know hundred or a couple hundred bucks on something that I, I don't really need but that's what gifts yeah. are for i'm pretty sure we're, we're pretty sure that uh uh rachel's dad got us an apple tv for christmas we haven't opened it because you know wait until christmas um but like he used to work at apple and like has like like but like he was a dev he actually was part of the team that put together the swift uh programming language um, wow yeah lad. yeah it's it's used by iOS and stuff. It's very cool. Um, or I think he specifically like made. I don't know. I could be getting that wrong. I know that he basically works on the resources that devs need to to use the to code. Dev. So it's like 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 libraries and things like that. Um, um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, 
but we think he got us an Apple TV, which is it's just funny because I was planning on getting one anyways. And uh, and we were wondering because uh, uh, like he he might have an extra and uh, because, you know, he worked at Apple and we were wondering like, well, you know, hey, if he just has an extra and he's not using it, you know, maybe he can. Uh, if you he, if he's willing to give it to us as a gift, because it sounded like he was actually trying to figure out what to do with it um, because he just had an extra. Uh, and then I think it turns out that he didn't or whatever. He just decided to, like, get us one because we were like, well, we're not going to stop you. But like, you really don't have to do that. <laughs> but he, You know, hey, I'm not going to complain. You know, we've uh, we've been trying to use Chromecast for the last year and it's uh, it's pretty spotty. It doesn't work the best. I see. But yeah, you know, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, speaking of end of the year Christmas and presents and stuff, you know, getting excited for the new year. Speaking of the new year. I'm doing well, Frank. That uh, matters. Oh, sorry. I I thought that you when, when I was asking you about the watch and stuff. Uh, so, yeah. No. How are you doing, Carter? I do well. Just finally wrapping up the, the semester you know getting gifts mm-hmm getting yeah you got your last uh you got like what one more assignment right what one more assignment. one more yeah one more assignment and you're doing you're getting gifts do you get gifts yep. for your whole family uh my my uh, what do they call it close family my immediate nuclear your Nuc- nuclear clear yeah nuclear <laughs> sure uh yeah and no, i don't know why i think like the idea of literally like nucleic like nucleus what is hey what's the what's the latinate root there like what does like that actually mean let's look it up i assume it means like close or familial or something i think nucleus probably came secondary to nuclear family let's see nucleus unless this is some shit out of the that early comes 60s from nux. uh latin nucleus means a kernel or an inner part, like a nut. Okay, sure. I'll take it. Who knows? Yeah, uh, well, also, also, you know, your audio sounds differently, and hopefully it'll, uh, it'll come out better, because you're at home. Yep, I have returned to Florida for a time, probably about a month. Yeah? Yep. Still, because, uh, yeah, when does your new semester start? The 11th. So only like less than a week, uh, less than two weeks after this episode comes out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of. Uh... <laughs> that doesn't work at all anymore. I really blew that transition. Um, should we uh, should we get into the episode? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, yeah. So Carter kind of mentioned it. Um, this to celebrate the new year. I, I you know what? Carter, do you have any Halloween resolutions? Anything that you want to do with the podcast? Because I think I have one. I don't, Frank. I want everything to continue in stale, stale, <laughs> normal. No new seasons. Remove all seasons. Just and have every episode have the same title and same episode number. Yes. And maybe just be the same episode. I my resolution. Now, if you want that, we can we'll we'll figure out we'll find a we'll find a medium ground between these two. That's good. It won't make any sense. My resolution is I want to be a little uh, tie a little bit more to relevance of like time of the year and uh, like any holidays or whatever. Like if it's, uh, you know, the middle of the summer, I want to do episodes that are a little bit more summery if they're 
wintry, you know, or at least I don't know, like Christmas, New Year's holidays, Valentine's Day. That kind of thing. St. Valentine. Yeah. What a guy. I want to do the. I want to do the syndicated thing, you know, TV shows like, you know, Simpsons and Bob's Burgers and whatever, where like in the fall you have a back to school episode, uh, a something else episode. Then you have a like Halloween episode, a Thanksgiving episode, a Christmas episode, another Christmas episode or a New Year's episode. And then you have like one episode of like winter something. And then you do a like a like a you know valentine's day arbor day you know you just keep on going through because you're like i don't know i don't actually have any ideas we'll just riff off of what's relevant and and like lean heavily on that i see less ideas more <laughs> relevance i like it yes oh Maisie is do you want to sit up on my lap while i record you have to cut yeah. out that audio of mary garden <laughs> did wait did cut. she no. Oh. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, no, we're doing uh we're doing an episode where we're kind of gonna look at we're gonna do a look ahead at a year in Parasari and just see like what is that like? What does the citizen of Parasari what do they expect out of a year? What seasons are there? When do the hurricanes come? When are they harvesting fish, etc.? Well, Frank, I don't know anything about tropical islands, so let's make shit up. <laughs> 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 well, we could start with the one thing that we do know um, that we've talked about many times before, which is like wet and dry seasons. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. I don't know when wet and dry seasons actually fucking are. So I'm doing a quick Google. I see. The dry season is a yearly period of low rainfall, especially in the tropics. It's dominated by the tropical rain belt, which moves from the northern to southern tropic- tropics and back over the course of the year. Let's see. During the dry season, humidity is very low, causing some watering holes and rivers to dry up. This lack of water may force grazing animals to migrate to more fertile spots. Examples of such are zebras, elephants, and wildebeest. Let's see. Wow, this is a really short article. Uh, What about... Ooh, you know what? There's a third season, Harmaton, which occurs at the end of November in the middle of March. This is that is interesting. Okay, I'm actually kind of curious. But uh, first, wet season. Is it like Rasputitsa? I don't know what that is. It's a thing in Russia that happens. It's a season, I think, at the end of spring and the end of fall, maybe, or the beginning of fall, where like um, there's a bunch of rainfall, which causes everything to be muddy, so you can't go anywhere because there's just mud oh oh everywhere. yeah yeah yeah. Now I know what you're talking about. Let's see. Um, when the wet season occurs during a warm season or summer precipitation. Like, I don't know. I mean, this stuff is all like it doesn't really. Let's do this instead. What's um? were we saying like Indonesia was kind of a, a loose reference point for the for the geographic context? Sure. Of like this, the 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 weather or like Polynesia. Indo-Polynesia. Paulo Indo. Paulo I mean, it, like, the thing is, is Indonesia is like the sixth or seventh largest country in the world. It has 260 million people. So imagine if, like, the entirety of the United States was a series of islands that extended across thousands of miles. It's, the, you know, it's not, 
maybe we just say Papua New Guinea or something like use a little bit more of a, a reference. But let's look at a, a, the climate of Indonesia lies along the equator and its climate tends to be relatively even year round. It has two seasons, a wet and a dry season with no extremes of summer or winter for most of Indo- uh, for most of Indonesia. The dry season falls between May and October and the wet between November and April. Let's see. It's almost entirely tropical, dominated by tropical rainforest climate found in every large island. More cooling climate types do exist in mountainous regions that are 43 to 4,900 feet above sea level. I guess I should have assumed that Indonesia had like mountain ranges because that's basically what islands are. I just didn't really think about it that way because they're islands, you know? Yeah. Prevails in high, oceanic climate prevails in highland areas adjacent to rainforest climates with reasonably uniform precipitation year round. Okay, interesting. Tropical savanna. I've never heard that term used before. Um, the subtropical highland climate is prevalent with a more pronounced dry season. So it sounds like it really depends um, that there's like a lot of different forms, but uh, mostly so. It, I mean, I think that the Pacific keeps things pretty uh, like relatively constant. Um, humidity tends to stay pretty high um, universally with winds being uh, are mod- moderate and very predictable, including like during monsoons and things uh, like they're obviously not moderate during monsoons, but um, let's see. Da-da-da-da-da. Typhoons and lar- this okay. Typhoons and large-scale storms pose little hazard to mariners. Significant dangers come from swift currents in channels. So I think all right. So here's kind of what I'm getting from this. Uh, it because the fact that Parasari is one of many islands in a chain, weather smooths out a lot. It becomes a lot more flat. Um, there's less variance. Uh, water tends to eat up a lot of the. Um, chaos that can come in weather patterns and so it's much larger slower sweeping changes over a over an entire year as opposed to just you know like like distinct seasons or storms or things like that like you'll have a storm season you'll have a uh, you know storms can happen at other points of the year but they happen the most in these specific times when like monsoons and typhoons are coming so I think with Parasari, like you, we have a wet season and a dry season. First of all, let's start with this. Do you think that the new year is measured? Um, we mentioned before that it's a completely different calendar. Do you think that it's measured halfway between a wet and a dry season or at the beginning of a wet or dry season or end of a wet or dry season? I imagine it's... I imagine it's halfway. I don't, I don't think it's, it lines up. I think... I wonder if there's like a, a beginning of a calendar year and the beginning of like a tide year or something like that. Like they have that both of them take place in the same calendar year. But I wonder if there's like a recognition that maybe thinking about it this way. So we've talked before about them being a post-colonial culture where like colonialism has withdrawn and it dried up and died. It failed. And the the culture sort of uh, uh, sprung out of the the cracks in the in the in the pavement there, and th- so there are some borrows from that culture that have still lived on because they were useful. The calendar might be a bastardization between 
previous sentiments that were imperial and as a result less relevant to the region and more things that are more specific to the island nation. So uh, especially because the calendar is left over from what um, the uh, the Sanguine Empire, right? Or, yeah, because the Sanguine Empire. This is not the Eldian Imperio, but it is the it was ex Sanguine Empire, right? Yeah, the Sanguine Empire is That's the older, larger empire. Yeah, and then the Eldian Imperio was specific to just Everest and to not Loki, but it had its limits. Yeah, but didn't reach it, the, this far. What came out of the the Sanguine Empire over here? I think where we have the kind of I think seeds. we called it the Marian Empire potentially. Yeah, it was. I think it was like the Marian the Marian Dominion Dominion. That's what it was. Yeah, the Marian Dominion. Yeah. So the Marian Dominion, Marian Dominion collapses, uh, but they have a calendar and it's a 366 day calendar. And I think, hmm, when does the, okay, so we kind of have talked about Parasari being like a city, most of our focus on it has been post this collapse, right? Although technically, I think we thought that there was, if it wasn't Parasari, that there was a city that preceded it that was built in the same, on the same island, like the same space. Yeah. Um, so the Marian Dominion collapses, I think, probably during Avum, Avum, would it be during Avum Tertius or Avum Cordis? Maybe the last vestiges, maybe it loosens its... I don't know. I mean, we have an opportunity for a different narrative here. Like, we could say that the Marian Dominion actually held on to its uh, control up and through most of Avum Tertius, whereas the Eldian Imperio is collapsing. Maybe the Marian Dominion is doing something else to hold it together. And so they're, in a way, they're, like, more recently freed. Like, again, that still gives us plenty of time during Avum Cordis to play with stuff, because Avum Cordis lasted for over 2,000 years. Um, that's plenty of history for a city. Oh, yeah. I mean, even if this is all just during Avon Pentis, like post, um, you know, post end of the Bellum Obscuro, like it could definitely be. We could stuff definitely still have several hundred years of history to play with, which does not feel bad to me. I don't know if it, it's that recent, though, and maybe Avon Cordis looked differently. Uh, like in the Marian uh, Ocean than it did in in Everest and Tanalohi. I don't know. What do you think? Should we just say that the Marian Dominion actually held on to power, like got like vice like in its grip or something and did a better job of quelling, um, I don't know, high houses of elven power or something from from trying to take control? Sure. And I mean, you know, it might have lost some of its territory and then it sought to reclaim it. And that was most it was most preoccupied with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's I, I don't think it was like perfect control. I think it became like. Cracked and taped together where it was it still was able to hold its hold better, but it wasn't like the collapse of Rome going on with the Eldian Imperio. It was like. We still have power and we're going to use force to hold it together as much as possible. Um, but like. You know, nobody's having any fun, I don't think. It's like the Imperial Remnant in Star Wars. Yeah, actually, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good comparator. Okay, so that happens. And then, you know, Avon Cordis, I think things get far worse for it. And I think maybe it just gets obliterated. Like, I think it just, all those cracks, when conflict itself, there is no peace anymore, just like shatter apart. Like, there's nothing holding them together anymore. And there's a lot more infighting. Revolutions are constant. Um, it's extremely bloody. And okay, 
So um, as, far, as far as this relates to the calendar, I think that uh, if you've got a wet season and a dry season, I don't, I think that maybe what they do is this tidling stuff. Did we have a discovery about when exactly? Because I think we said it was going to take place during a six day period. Or no, that it just starts when it starts and ends when it ends. Um, but it's roughly around um, like the same time every year. Yeah. Did that have historical significance as well? I'm trying to remember if there was some event that we were like, oh, damn, like galaxy brain moment. What if this was associated with this other thing? Towards the end of the of last episode, did we talk about that at all? I don't think so. Do you want to climb up on my lap? She's being very fussy. Talking about my cat. Sorry. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if we did, but we could. Yeah. I mean, what do you what do you offer I'm kind of playing with the idea of like, what if like an Independence Day kind of thing, not the movie, um, but like there was a they are celebrating their independence from the Marian Dominion or like reestablishing a new nation. And that was it was during that week. That the tidling started showing up. OK. And then it was sort of seen as part of like a sign. OK, I like that. So we could do that. Um, and then I'm just trying to figure out when that shows up during the year. Do they have a t- like technically the year begins at the beginning or end of a wet or dry season? And that's more of an astro uh, astronomical observation. But that in truth, oh, Maisie, you're going to fuck with all this recording equipment, aren't you? I apologize, listener, if there's any clicks and pops. That's my cat's fault. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Okay, yeah, now she's just straight up sitting on my lap. So I guess this is she's ruining this episode. Uh, I don't know, Carter, do you, do you understand where I'm going with this? Was basically the idea of like uh, this event, this six day period that is sort of seen as a cultural new year is happening sometime in the middle of the year. But the observed astronomical year is like actually kind of around slightly more technical of events because they do have access to obser- an observatory, right? Isn't there an observatory on the island? I don't think we made it clear. We we left room for it. Yeah. No, you're right. Now, I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of something that's in the middle of Everest. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that having these two distinct kind of separate things kind of makes sense because there's this weird... We we You know, we've been playing with this idea of this weird blending of, like, cultural, like, island islander native mm-hmm. culture and then this like weird co- colonialism stuff yeah so you i, know, I actually, like it and i think it yeah. i like the idea that they recognize that both exist and are distinct from each other but somewhat in inextricably intertwined it's complicated like the fact that the really what they're observing with the um with the other is uh it's a kind of like a magical year you know, yeah. it's like this is this is the beginning of when, uh, you know, if this is when the tidelings thing happens, it's either the beginning or end or in between, you know, uh, uh, two years. Um, but that might happen like in the middle of a dry season or a wet season or whatever. I think it is consistent from year to year, but I think whenever it happens, it is just straight up. You know, there's no there's no clear beginning or end or whatever um it's just happening you know in the middle of a season so it's like distinct from the geographical impact and it might be like um do you know how the the sakura blooms 
happen in Japan. Oh, cherry blossoms? Yeah. Does that always uh, happen near exam times? Or times for exam? Yeah, Not actually, it, but like exams happen around the same time. It happens in the fall, but it's never... The people haven't figured out when exactly it starts and it's not really clear. it changes like like uh, like biologists or botanists i guess that would be botanists haven't actually been able to determine what is influencing all of the cherry blossoms to bloom at the same time yes but that's cool yeah basically if you that. want to go to japan to see the the sakura you have to get lucky in some sense hmm. or go when you know it's already happening but you know that's yeah it, or stay for a while or stay for a while yeah like if you stay for a couple of months you probably will actually yeah, see it happen see it. it's just it's it's just we're not sure why it happens at a certain time yeah there's a range but it's there's no day that it starts or no week that it starts well we definitely can use that i think as an interesting reference point for some of the things that happen on the island um i do know so okay obviously we have a wet season and a dry season and we can, I think we can move on from from those in a little bit. But just to be clear, like as far as that impacts the sea, the the year, fishing, um, you know, you'll have storms during a wet season, monsoons, typhoons, etc. You know, as as you know, kind of the entries we're talking about, it's it's it is smoother, more moderate uh, weather patterns that happen over a longer period of time. So. I don't know. We should just pick one. When does uh when does the year start? You said it's some like in, in the midpoint between I think middle wet of the and wet. dry season. Middle of the wet. Season. Middle. Of, okay. Oh, I thought you said in between wet and dry season. Nope, I said middle of the wet. Okay. All right. Gotcha. As the astronomical new year. Yep. All right. So, um, that would be going of Shavuot in uh, the Trapensian calendar. Uh, end of uh, end of Shavuot. So that would be. Like Bremen is either occurring before or after that time. I think before, because I think Bremen is the last month of the year. Bremen is the six day event. Well, I'll, I'll add an episode reference for it. Um, but let's see. And then wet season lasts for another. I guess uh, if it's 360 divided by two, that's 180. Does a wet season actually last for 180 days? Is it literally just like a transition like that? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it sounded like that's kind of what it was saying. You are so goofy. She'll literally just like stand up on her her two feet and just like start to like need my leg to, for for attention. Let's just say so. I don't know if it's entirely that it's just 180 days per. That seems a little odd, you know, or 183. I think that it's probably though. That it, it, you know, it's like a general, you know, high precipitation, high humidity, low precipitation, low humidity. Yeah. Um, and that it kind of maybe the crests of those, like sort of the 25 percent or so would be the technical wet and dry season. And other things are sort of a transition between the two, a, uh, a rising or falling. And so we can just treat it like that. Uh, a rise I think, season. I'm thinking about the what? The rye season uh maybe i don't know that sounds that's pretty rough uh i think though that we because uh, i was just trying to imagine when would migratory patterns be occurring and i would imagine that they are happening so during the summer um, when is the kraken mating ritual 
Yeah. Also, I just realized that the astronomical new year does not need to begin at the beginning of uh, of a, like a Trapensian new year. There's no reason for that. Like we could just have a B in the middle of July or whatever. So like because I'm just thinking when would like let's say you've got migratory birds traveling from subtropical or or like, um, you know, temperate zones. Do they carry coconuts? I don't know. Does it does it are they are they tied together with string or no? Maybe the coconut crabs are there. Maybe they fly. Maybe they're flying coconut flying crabs. Flying coconut crabs? Yeah. Jesus. I mean, I think, okay, this is a real world thing. I'm pretty sure that there are spiders who will build webs that... They like catch the wind and they pick parachutes. Yeah, I think that that's a thing. Or like they use leaves to basically create balloons and then they hang out on the balloons and then like fly thousands of miles that way, drifting on like air currents. It's some insane shit like that. Pretty sure there's some... I think it's like Australian spiders. There's some Australian spiders that do that because, of course, Australia is the most terrifying. Yeah. But okay, so if they're if they're migrating down, I think that that becomes a dry season when they arrive. So the migratory patterns. They come during the dry season and then they leave again during the wet season. So if it's halfway through the, the wet season. Then. You don't have any migrations, but you're dealing with a lot of storms. Um, yeah. We should just decide when does when does the tide stuff happen as well? Is that is that near to the new year? Like, is it still part of the wet season or is it something that's happening during like the dry season or somewhere in between? I imagine it was part of the wet season. You think so? OK. All right. Is it like before at the beginning of a new year or is it the end of a, a year? That's up to you. I'll give you that one. All right. I'm going to say I'm going to say it's it's slightly offset from uh, from a new year. So it's like uh, towards the end of the wet season when it's starting to like calm down some. They're dealing with the storms, battening down the hatches. I don't know. As a person who did not grow up in tropical climates, I think that you might want to take the lead on like, I don't know what some of the things are that we can expect from you know, what you encounter during a wet season. I know you have four seasons in, in Florida still technically, um, but I know they're milder and a little bit more blended. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, there's a lot of rain, a lot of wind. You might get big storms like hurricanes, but I don't know how much that occurs here. Uh, well, I mean, I think that they get hurricanes. Um, but, I would imagine in in Parasari, like at least that they, that pass by. Maybe they're not in a core. Maybe that's like a corridor or something where they don't actually get hit as much. And they might be more minor and more frequent than the, the hurricanes that we storms, see. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like 80, like straight line winds um, and stuff. But uh, if you build stuff sturdy, you won't face a lot of like likely destruction. And maybe it's just that every few years you have some significant, significant hurricanes that do some damage, but don't actually like, I can't imagine they do that much damage to an island. Otherwise, like stuff wouldn't last very long. Well, I mean, uh, there's a fair bit of um, stuff where it's like, you know, you build it flimsy and the hurricane knocks it down, but you build it, you know, so cheaply that you can just do it again. Yeah, I mean, I will say there's a, uh, oh, what was this? I think this is somewhere in India or maybe the Fertile Crescent. I can't remember where, but it's somewhere that was uh, in like the tropical zone. They'd get monsoons that would wash away their city. And at the end of the wet season, they would build it back again. It was made out of clay. 
Oh, wow. And so they literally just mold it up into, yeah, into like clay houses and things. And then um, when the wet season came, it would wash away their entire city and then they just build it again. Get pretty good at it, I imagine. Yeah, do it every year. So I don't know. What else do we do with this? I mean, there's obviously wildlife. I think that migratory patterns, fish, like you'll get different fish at different times of the year. Maybe coral is also responding to the uh, to the year, you know, like. That maybe the way that it blooms, there are blooming seasons. Maybe you get. Oh, you know what? During maybe during the dry season, there's actually a festival, uh, like a long festival, where it, because every night the entire bay glows with a bioluminescence as like the coral is releasing um, its like little seedlings or whatever polyps. I think. Yeah. Is polyps. it coral polyps? Yeah, and all the polyps glow, and so you get these like different patches of bioluminescence. I was thinking that also, like maybe during the wet season when the sea is a bit more turbulent, maybe the coral, um, like, it has like a certain kind of um, life cycle where it like is at its thickest during the the wet season, and then like you know thins out and like gets bigger. Oh, I see. So it's like growing in different ways mm-hmm. based on the year. Yeah, that's yeah, I think so. And I think that both the people above and the people below, as in like the, you know, merfolk are responding to this where during. So do you think do you think it's growing more during the wet season? Like that's that's really good time for it, because, yes, all of like the crazy wind and stuff is going on over overhead. But like the torrential effects are absorbed by all of the water. And I think it brings maybe like new bacterias or like not soil, obviously, but like, I don't know, nutrients like ocean oceanic nutrients that it normally wouldn't have access to that come during the wet season because of the, the, the increased weather patterns. And so that's, it's time for like, it's like the equivalent of um, a deer, you know, eating during the fall to like grow its antlers a ton. And then maybe during, yeah, maybe during the new year, Maybe it builds that up and then somewhere between the wet and dry season is when this occurs. So, um, you know, maybe towards towards the beginning of the, the driest part of the season is when it's like gathered up as much nutrients as it can. And then it releases the polyps. Um, you know, I, we could do this. It could be something where it ne- doesn't necessarily do it every year. Maybe the or maybe not, not all of it does it every year. Yeah. So like different areas do it's it sort of st- the reefs staggered yeah so there's like maybe three or four different reefs in the uh in within the bay and you know they're kind of releasing at different parts and so maybe that's what makes it like a month-long span where it's not all of them at the same time and some patches of a coral you never know and so then you get some years where it's like the entire bay is all glowing at once because everything kind of matches up yeah in terms of the timing that's cool yeah yeah, that is cool. And I totally am just picturing like a lot of like bars and and, uh, you know, like uh, waterside property where people are just kind of watching. I don't know. We need something like fireworks. I mean, is magic, you know, maybe they pull out some artifacts and are like shooting spells over the bay or something like that. I like to imagine someone has um, like someone's got like a like a fireball producing cannon and they just like angle it up and it's just (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly something like that i think or like lightning bolts that'd be cool yeah that could be fun 
I mean, it's it's making me think of so every year there's a thing called the Aquatennial, which is a dumb name. Uh, happens in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. Um, uh, but like, it's a celebration of the Mississippi River, and like just the fact that it's there and it's this awesome thing, and you know, it's I don't know, it's great. <laughs> Technically, it's a national park. The entire Mississippi River. Yeah, from 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 the the head to its delta, uh, it's it's enti- the entirety of it. I think it's eight hundred feet on each each from 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 the body of the water itself to the bank uh, from to the edge of the bank is all technically a national park. Cool, which is pretty neat. But like you know, yeah, during the Aquatennial, like you get some you get fireworks in July Fourth, but the Aquatennial is when the fireworks really happen, and so people all gather around the river, and uh, there's like a lot of you know, waterfront. There's like a a, a neighborhood called like St. Anthony, Maine, um, where uh, there's like a lot of like old cobble streets at some of the oldest parts of technically the town of St. Anthony existed before Minneapolis. And so like, you know, you have all these bars and stuff along the edge and you sit out on and you kind of like watch the fireworks while drinking a beer. I'm picturing the same thing with this bay. Maybe people sail their ships out into the open part of uh Maybe they set fire to a ship or something. <laughs> uh, maybe people like uh, build these like uh, festive ships and and they're very, very simple. And it's a boat building competition. Shit, that's dude, cool. that's actually a good yeah. idea. Because then you get shipwrights who are, uh, you know, whatever boat. Doesn't, you know, or like is 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 the most like hardy. <gasps> Ooh, OK, wait, 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 wait thought what if it is boats that survive the wet season so they they build all year then during the wet season um they test them by like having them sit in the harbor where there's like all these you know dangerous coral reefs and stuff and maybe they anchor them or something and it's a it's a it's an endurance test whoever's boat lasts the longest when getting like slammed against all of the coral and shit is then the boat that they burn that's cool (laughs) during uh or any of the surviving boats or what what um, what they burn during, you know, and then of course the shipwright gets like all the good contracts and stuff, and so you know it becomes like a, a you know honors the the trades guilds and stuff who are who are building the ships. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So okay, because the other thing I was going to say is is like all of this coral is growing a shit ton during the the wet season and then transitioning into the dry. I'm imagining if we're treating it kind of like lumber in that it's, you know, there is there are people who are cutting down the coral. Um, The merfolk use it a lot to build their own kind of, you know, you build out their own spaces. What I'm picturing a situation where basically it's, it's like, you know, trying to manage coral growth and trim it back or prune areas of it where it is growing too much and too fast yeah and obviously i know in the real world like coral grows at a much much slower rate than this um but i'm picturing stuff that where it's like grows several feet a year this is bamboo coral yeah bamboral yeah i actually had an idea about this okay shoot so parasari we know is a is actually kind of sitting on top of a drowned metropolis right like we there's a golden hour city beneath it. We never really talked about how that actually works. Like are there are the tops of buildings buried in coral? Like did coral kind of like 
building and building, like reach across and cover and net the area. And that's what creates the bottom of the bay. And then you have spires of coral that are reaching up from that. Like, where is the base? Was this all a metropolis that was built into the side of a mountain? Um, or was the mountain, is the mountain something else that's nearby? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, I think, like what I think what I, how I imagined was it was basically like there was a very high elevation mountain valley and like all the okay, islands so like a mountain that goes up and then there's a valley and then it keeps on going up yeah and like all the islands are like mountain tops or like various very high parts and then the like yeah then there's this depression which is where the city mm-hmm. is which was this valley okay okay and it continued to rise up on one side of it i mean maybe tectonic movement actually pushed yeah. where the peaking of the mountain was happening or something and shifted over and created this valley uh, or created this peak after the valley, you know, after the city was over. And so you have some like collapsed buildings and things that are actually kind of built into the, the, the bedrock of, of the Island itself, but it's like shifted. It's, it's shifted over and then in the Bay and in large area kind of around the Bay, that's where the metropolis actually is. And that extends for probably several miles extending away from the city. Yes, I think I think a good part of the explored okay. stuff is away from the city. Okay, gotcha. Because I, I was kind of like, I, I want to explore more about the merfolk's relationship to all this. Like, are they? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think we can table that for now. But because um, we're definitely getting we're getting on in time here. And I, I would like to just kind of understand if there's anything else that we want to do with the year i think so in review we talked about coral the coral we haven't festival, talked at all about fish or festival. migratory birds or anything we don't know fucking shit about that like it happens sure i mean we can make we can make a migratory uh, uh group of animals i mean is there anything that they hunt heavily when it like flies either through or by or you know maybe they use it to in some symbiotic way where it's like they fertilize crops or something i think that there are flying fish i think there are bats i think there's definitely flying fish there are also bats we got to get back to the, the bat bats thing hunt the fish. because it started as a ridiculous absurd thing that you came up with but dude we got to talk about bat milk when's bat milk harvesting happen um i think the, uh during the bats reproductive first of all they're giant bats and not regular sized bats obviously He's oh, ever... are we? We're talking. Of course, fantasy yeah. bats. They need to be mountable. Yeah, and uh, I think that um, they're like all over the big mountain in the middle. I forget what we called them. Oh, do you think there's like a giant cavern? Probably, yeah. Ooh, I like that. Okay, yeah, and maybe only they can reach it though. Like it's in the dead caldera or something of like the, at the peak of the mountain. Yeah, and I think that. Um... You gotta, you gotta brave the dangers to the bats to get the milk, or maybe it's like uh, they like are you know they're particularly active during the mating season, and you can like lure the the mother bats in with you know like stuffed giant bat things, and then you can like get their milk. Okay, a definitely domesticating bats. B definitely. Uh, oh, you know what? Here's what it is. I think bat milk is most easily harvested during this dry season because smaller animals, 
I don't know what they are, but they're migrating into the area and it's like a feasting time for the bats. And then they this is when they do a lot of their like child rearing and stuff during that season. And so like they're, you know, there's wild ones, but then there's the domesticated ones. And but but both of them are like rearing young during the dry season. Because the reason why I was thinking about like, okay, so the coral's happening somewhere between the the wet and the dry season. But like what's happening after the dry season? Because we have sort of an, a whole half year where we don't have a lot going on. Um, I think that that's when the bat milk shit is happening. Yeah. <laughs> also, we just introduced like flying mounts to the world of uh, or to, to Padasari, which we definitely did not have before. Do you think that they're also ferrying people back and forth in addition to the ships? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get. I mean, the, you know, all the fancy admirals get a flying bat ride to their ship it's ridiculous i mean how many people can fly in the back of a giant bat are you thinking more than two i'm thinking like three max yeah so it's like yeah you're right it definitely is like an admiral might have a a a pet domesticated bat that they pay somebody to like take care of for them a pet domesticated cat that flies she's can you hear that What do you want? You want pets? You want me to pick you up and put you on my lap again? I think that that's a sign that we should probably call it for this right, one. So, um, oh, okay. I mean, yeah. Do you have a one in one? Do you have a one? I think that the like, you have like all the city, and it's all about like welcoming people and all the newcomers and i think there's like a faction of bat riders that are like this is our island we're the bat bat riders we don't mess around with these people a bat gang exactly it's like a bat these definitely whatever crime syndicate existed by Asadi, they definitely ride bat bats and they wear like bat they're probably, leather they're they're like they're bat rustlers <laughs> <laughs> They're stealing people's bats. There's bat ranches <laughs> where people are are raising. There's some some fine blue blooded uh, bats that uh, that I've been uh, my family's been raising for generations. But those dang bat wrestlers keep on coming around trying to take them. That's pretty good. I do like that. What do you have, Frank? Bat wrestlers. I do. I think I actually do. Um, so I had a. Th- thought i was like oh this is something we actually really didn't think about at all but as related to the dry season i was like what would be the best time for treasure hunters to come i think it would be in the dead of the the dry season when there's not a lot of there's the least storm activity there's almost never any rain or whatever it's like the most ideal conditions quiet uh quiet waters for doing any sort of diving or dealing with anything below and you know so you, you go treasure hunting and then you come back you you have your bat milk mm-hmm. during the bat festival and you get out of there yeah so you have a long summer where the first people that start to come are actually probably at least the people who are the greedy treasure hunters or even if they're not greedy they're just looking for success they're you know gold panners essentially they're getting their a fair time after the the like the phosphorescent festival is occurring, you know, the ship burning yeah. festival, because that happens near the beginning of the dry season. But you're looking for people who are doing this at the peak of the dry season, which would be another like 20 or 30 days later. 
So they're missing all of this wonderful stuff that's going on. And it would be the, the ass end of the year for them to be there in the first place because it's absolutely the wrong time. Um, so people are getting ready for them to show up, but um, they're missing all the pretty stuff. Yep. Anyways, they get there. And I think that the, probably from, you know, the near a little bit before the height of the of the dry season through the majority of the rest of it um, as it starts to transition back to more moderate climates or like moderate temperatures and things. And the wind picks up. I think that they're there. So there's probably like a solid, what do you want to say? Like 80 day period or so, like three or so, like two and a half earth months, I guess you could say of time that, uh, that, that the treasure hunters are, at the height of at the peak of their activity. I think some people do stay all year, but like mostly only crazy people are actually trying to do stuff during the wet season. I see. Yeah. Or merfolk. I mean, they probably have their own whole approach to treasure hunting cuz you know, they can go deep enough in the water where like the 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 weather patterns aren't really affecting them nearly as much. I do think that there is like a, a pretty sizable faction of merfolk that are like, don't don't fucking go to them ruins there. Get a fucking haunted. Bring mm, bad mm-hmm. luck. I wanna I wanna explore more of the relationship between the merfolk below and uh the city of Padasari. I, I wanna know are they maybe this is my real one and then I'll I'll, I'll I promise I'll I'll call it. But um I wanna know like yeah like what do they think of the city? Is it a two city system or situation where like they kind of feel like they have their own place within the metropolis or the ex metropolis that they've carved out for themselves and like then their relationship to the homesteaders? How do they view these treasure hunters? Um, I think it's I think it's time for that. We kind of like look at what's going on beneath the waters more. All right. Well, uh, thanks for letting us be your escape for uh, for this time. Hopefully, you we won't need to be your escape for much longer if those uh, if Santa is able to distribute the uh, if if Pfizer Santa is able to distribute the vaccine to the all of us in uh, in the world who are not. You're not uh, ready for this, uh, Frank. Pfizer Santa. This pandemic shit. Fanta. If you forgot your worries and you want to make others forgetful of what Carter just said, we're on every podcasting service known to humankind. So don't be greedy. Share us with your friends. Did we discuss something as confusing as hell? Like Fanta? Of course we did. But chances are there's some context in the podcast description, especially about Fanta. So go there. You can also explore the subreddit or reach us at the Lorekeepers on Twitter or email us at lorekeeperspodcast.gmail.com for questions or things you'd like to hear in future episodes. I'll bow before the mutable, the mutable, the mutable. I'll bow before the musical might of Joshua T.G.E. Silkinghammer, forger of Land of Heroes, the Lorekeeper's theme. That is so alienating because now it's like we're not even saying the name of the actual of of my good friend, actual Josh Silker. Yep, he doesn't care. He doesn't fucking listen to the podcast. I think he did. I don't know if he still does. Why would he? Until next time, don't forget. Good good question. There are always more coral to burn. Happy New Year, everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Are you stalling? No. Why would I ever <laughs> stall, Frank? That's ridiculous. 37.
Great. Also, it's nine o'clock here, so I'm maybe a little bit. Oh, okay, right, right, right. Because you're you're on the panhandle, right? Yep, the panhandle. Panhandle. Yep. My beard looks kind of weird in this light. It's like you can see through it a little bit. I think it's yeah. like all mussed up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it this morning, but it's a little like. I think I slept on it weird. I might need to to brush it and trim it. I think it might need a trim. I don't know. Kind of hard to tell. Oh, dude. How you doing? Doing well, you know? I'm just, uh, I'm ready to finish this fucking syllabus. <laughs> Turn it in. Are you writing it's a like, syllabus for done. next year? No, I'm writing a syllabus for it, the, my teaching philosophy class. That's the final assignment. Like, no, oh, I just mean, like, are you teaching a class next year? Or Because I know that Rachel has to work on a syllabus this uh, this fall. Or this winter, I have a class. That I, yes, I will be teaching classes come not spring. spring but oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, because she's teaching uh, class in the spring. <laughs> she's like, she's got to work on the syllabus this uh, this uh, yeah during the break. Just rough. Yeah, but I mean, if there's one thing I know about academics is that syllabi are not ready until the day of first day of class. Yeah, that I I believe in. Yeah. Um. Hey, are you cool to do a double header today? I can do a double header. Yes. I don't want to spend too much time doing it because I I got work I got to get to as well. Um, work from home. But uh, but yeah, okay. Um, I don't really know. So what did I write down? Oh, okay. So I I had a couple ideas. I don't know if there's anything that you've your mind's probably been mostly occupied by, you know, end of semester shit. Has there been any idle musings that you were uh, curious to explore? I feel like there might be, but I cannot summon them at the moment. <laughs> Maybe by episode two we'll figure out you'll figure out. Yeah, once we anything. once we shake the dust off. I'm I'm also there with you. I have not gotten I've been staying up too much uh playing man my life dude I've been I've been playing Watch Dogs Zelda and watching Clone Wars that's kind of been most of my what what my time has been Although Rachel agreed to try out uh playing Gloomhaven uh over the break oh, fuck Yeah we're going to try the online version just so that way we don't have to set up shit and like then we can decide like if we can get into it you know then we can decide whether we actually you know, purchase the real ass thing. But we've both been kind of craving a um, like a board game experience or something that is not sitting in front of screens all evening, because that's most of like, I don't know, because of the pandemic and there's nowhere to go. Most of when we spend time together and we are doing an activity, it's either like playing a video game or, uh, you know, or watching a movie or TV or something. Maybe you should pick up smoking so you can just smoke together. <laughs> Dude, I mean, we should. It's fucking legal in our in our uh, in our state. And, oh, unless you mean cigarette smoking, just sitting out on the back porch in the middle of winter, just smoking. I don't know. We were bored. <laughs> let's yeah, let's, just let's but there, smoke but cigarettes. Cigar. Oh, a cigar? cigar smoking. Yeah, get your like. Oh, I thought you meant weed. Robe. I mean, both work. You can have one in one hand, one in the other. Just shotgunning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That, works. Do you think that they make cigars full of weed, like a giant, oh, like cigar 100%. blunts? That's 100%. gotta exist. It's gotta be. They're a thing. called bats, Frank. Oh, really? That's a thing. A, a, a bat is a very thick, fat blunt. 
Oh, okay. I mean, is it rolled in tobacco leaves or something? Probably not. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say. I feel like that would... I don't know what that would do. I don't know if it'd do anything. I mean, like, I've smoked cigars before, and they're... Honestly, if there is a way to smoke, that's that's the way. I actually really like cigars. Um, I've only had them a few times. I'm a young lad. I think every time I've... on the ice. I think I've, every time I've smoked a cigar, it's been part of a bachelor party. <laughs> we, were, like, <laughs> we were out and we were out like in the woods and shit. Um, dude, I don't know what kind of bachelor parties. I don't know if you've ever been to one no. or like what your what your conception of what a bachelor party might be is. For me, it was when people arrived. It was it was it was a bunch of us at a cabin. And when you arrived there was a sign posted like near like where we were parking our cars. That's like on the sign. It said you have uh, you are being hunted. You have five minutes. Uh, guns and ammunition are in the uh, the container below. There's a rubber made full of paintball guns. <laughs> and then at the bottom, it just said run with three exclamation points. It was fucking fun. We spent like the entire evening just like hunting each other and shit. And we played a bunch of different like cat and mouse games and stuff. That that was that was our bachelor. <laughs> and then we like were smoking cigars and shit. I don't know. It was fun. Very chill. Yeah, I, I follow the tradition of my UKisms and I would refer to it as a stag do. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I've heard stag, but I know that like a that's definitely a. a I only heard that for the first time recently. I don't remember what in what context. Maybe a TV show or something. Let's hope they it were talking me. about a stag do. I don't think it was. Well, dude, it might have been you. You might have yeah, said something I about a stag do. Been. Yeah, that mm. sounds like something I yeah, would say, Frank. It does that does sound like something you would say? Oh no! Did you see the? Uh, what was it? I mean, it was the text I sent you, but it was like back for blood. Did you see the trailer for that? Uh, I didn't. I assumed that if you were so excited as to text Martha and I that we should play it together, it's and fr- it was Left for Dead, that it was it's, probably good. It's a uh, it's it's Turtle Rock Studios, same people who did Left Left for Dead Evolve? and shit. Uh oh, I think yeah, did tur- yeah, Colville's company. Yeah, but I think or mm, whoever it was, it's the original creators of Left for Dead. Hmm. So I don't know. I mean, I think Valve, I mean, Valve has different studios. I thought that maybe they had. Like, basically, like, contracted them to do it or something, because I know that happens sometimes. I don't know. Or maybe it was like the people who worked at Valve who became Turtle Rock Studios are making back for blood. That That might be what it is. That seems like that's true. But it looks good. It looks really good. And it's like a basically it's a modern we're cu- we're totally going back. We're, you're doing boomers. You're doing giant ass, you know, zombies, weird, creepy zombies and shit. And it looks like it's going to be really fun. The graphics look really good. And I mean, with modern, a modern take on a console game like that, like I, I think it could be a lot of fun. They were they showed a trailer to it at like the Tokyo Game Awards or <laughs> The Tokyo, Tokyo, I get TGS and TGA stick uh, stuck or like mixed up all the time. T, the T, TGA, the Game I Awards, see. the non-Tokyo Game Awards. I don't know if you paid attention to that at all. No, I angry tweeted on Lore Keepers about it, dude. <laughs> I was mad. Last of Us Part Two got like twelve awards 
many of which it absolutely didn't deserve. For instance, one, like it felt like such Oscar politics bullshit. First of all, it got game of the year. <sighs> I get, okay. Is it a good game? It's probably pretty decent. Have you played it? I've played it. Yeah. I don't think it's the game of the year, though. And here's why. I don't want to represent 2020 by a game that is so full of the idea of the conceit of unconditional hatred that was created in a death march studio that had um, incredibly like horrible workplace practice and treatment and like sweeping sexual allegations under the rug and stuff, which, by the way, um, still there's like been no justice on that. And they got best game like best game direction or something, despite all those allegations or whatever. It's like. Well, you gotta you gonna give CD Projekt Red best game direction? Oh, what did they get? Did they get the award for most uh, uncleared sexual allegations? I don't know. I, that should be, should be <laughs> there should be like a the equivalent of an anti award for that. Yeah, I'm just like, hey, we're calling you out of your shit. I mean, honestly, I think you know that, that the I think that the gaming like community could u- use with a maybe not a Razzies, but whatever would be the equivalent of like, hey, here's shitty practices. Here's You won the award for shittiest workplace practices. Um, but did you know that Donald Trump has a Razzie? Oh, what does he have a Razzie for? Worst president ever? Because no, no. I think that that would be... No, no. So he was in a film called, I think, Ghosts Just Do It Better or something like this. Really bad film. And he like just like appears there. And it, I think he got worst supporting actor or something. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and it was just like this really weird, like, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can dig it up. And I know, I know, like, he showed up in one of the Home Alones, I think. Yeah, Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2? Yeah. Which is just like, okay. Yep, 1989 film, he won a Razzie. What was the film? Ghosts Can't Do It. <laughs> Sorry, did you say 72? Uh, 1989. 89. Wow, where did I get 72 from? I don't know, Frank. 89. I sent the link to you in Discord. Oh, I should open my Discord, huh? Yep. It's helpful. Discord's starting. Uh, yeah, but all I was saying with that is, I think, first of all, if you wanted to do, like, most enjoyable, best game of the year, I think Hades got fucking robbed on, like, 12 different levels. Um, also, the game, the actual true real game of 2020 is Animal Crossing New Horizons. And the reason is, is because it helped so many people I know. It came at the exact right time. Like, there is no way that that timing could be better in terms of, like, saving a ton of people from so much COVID anxiety and, like, helping people through, I mean, at least early on in the pandemic, helping people with a ton of stress. I know I personally was helped by it, but even though, like, even if I wasn't, um, like, before that I even started playing it, I knew that it was gonna, it should be game of the year because, like, I don't think anything else, like, <laughs> did as much. There was, like, humanitarian aid on, like, a on a psychological level um, that the game was doing for people. Um, ghosts can't do it. I don't know. I just think... I don't want to I don't think we should celebrate a game that is so much about hatred. Um, yeah, and I mean, that's already so game. fucked up. It was a good game. And I just but I don't think it would deserve game of the year. It wasn't the best game that came out this year. It's the gaming equivalent of Oscar bait. I feel like. Bo Derek. Oh, 
Haiti O'Dare Scott. That name sounds familiar. Bo Derek. Okay, no, no. Bo Derek is the name of the character. I was like, Katie O'Dare, that sounds familiar-ish, but Bo Derek, I definitely recognize. It's like, oh, that's weird. That's the name of a character in this. No, I got it flipped. PGA Game Awards. I think that the the thing that actually made it worth it, though, so the contenders for best uh best ongoing game were Destiny 2, uh, Call of Duty World at War, Apex Legends. I will say, Frank, that um, Destiny 2 on the PS5 is 100 times better than Destiny 2 on the PS4. Yeah? Is it just more gorgeous? Uh, not only that, but its load times are, like, cut in probably, like, 75% decreased, and the menus are, like, twice as responsive. Because, like, you would mouse mm-hmm. over something, and it would take, like, a second to show. But oh. now it's just, boom, immediate. It's just like... <laughs> Have you ever played it on the PC? No. It's pretty solid on the PC as well. I bet it's, I mean, I'm sure PS5 is great. But this is, this is what made it all worth it for me. Apex okay. Legend, Destiny 2, Call of Duty uh, Warzone, Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky won best ongoing game because no fuck Man's. yeah, it did. I mean, nobody I mean, else is it doing has, like, expansions and like working their asses off to continue to build this in- infinite world. I mean, it's like... I don't know. It's very, uh, very respectable of them. So I don't know. But it's also an Oscar is hell like answer to that question of like, I don't know. That's just if they want the shitty politics of uh, of the Oscars, they're doing a good job. So, yeah, the goatees were the some of the contenders were like Doom Eternal, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, Hades, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and then The Last of Us Part Two. I feel like Hades or Animal Crossing New Horizons could have gotten Game of the Year. I think, uh, and you know, maybe this is, maybe you would you would say no to this, but I think Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah? Have you played Hades? I, I have played Hades. I've beaten okay. Hades like five or six times. Okay, gotcha. You like Ghost of Tsushima more? Yes, because Hades, great game, really cool. But ghost, but I feel like it's been out because you know it was only just released. It's been, but it's been in early access for like two years. Yeah. And Ghost of Tsushima, I've really felt like was you know, especially if you're looking for like something to message about this year, it was just like it was this guy who was trained to be a samurai, and then something terrible happens. Right, the Mongols mm-hmm. defeat all the samurai, and he has yep. to grapple with this and then there's yeah all these interesting themes about like what what is war and what do you, you know what do you should you be limited to mm-hmm. should you be honorable or should you win at the expense of your honor is very interesting ideas i don't question that there's a reason why i was a game a contender for game of the year and honestly i would pick it over last of us part two as well just because i don't want to remember this year by uh last of us part two like that just feels like it's isn't it already bad enough? Um, can't we celebrate the things that are actually, I don't know, uplifting? But yeah, I also could totally tell that that is the decision you would make because that game is all about honor and um, and doing the right thing uh, uh, and and like sort of like high moral questions, very philosophical. And it was also just like um, sounds like game... it was fun as hell too. Yeah, I platinumed it on PlayStation. It was That's right, like... you did do that. I forgot. It... 
it was um i honestly like there were moments in it that were very peaceful because you know you're going mm-hmm. to these like oh yeah it sounded like it was a gorgeous game yeah you're going to these like shrines and you're following foxes mm-hmm. to like these hidden little things and and yeah to see the natural beauty i think like it helped, are... it made it made me feel like i was getting outside <laughs> cool good yeah i mean and that's like that's the thing is is like i mean you even look at the pictures that they use for this like you know, Ghost of Shishima, there's kind of like some, it's very beautiful. You can see some like, uh, you know, some of the leaves passing by. Animal Crossing New Horizons is bright and colorful. And then like Last of Us Part 2 is just dirty, dirty walking dead character walking through woods holding shotgun because of course it fucking is. It's like the most stereotypical ass zombies video game. Come on, guys. What? It's not 2010. Like we can we can do other game now. You want to hear some of the other awards that it won? Yeah, uh, got best game direction over uh, Hades, which fuck off. That pisses me off. I think Supergiant, they actually treat their employees very well. There's no crunch at, at Supergiant. Um, they like refuse and they enforce. They require they you to take your PTO. They refuse and they actually don't go back on it. Unlike some people. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Half-Life Alex was also a contender. Ghost of Tsushima was a contender and Final Fantasy VII remake for best game direction. It got best narrative over 13 Sem- Sentinels, which I never uh, played, but I heard was pretty good. Also Ghosts and Hades um, and, and Final Fantasy. Uh, best art direction over Ori. Oh, no, sorry. Ghosts actually got that over um, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. I don't know. Oh, Ori and the Blind Forest was the first one. Sorry. Yeah, I will. I will say I think that that's fair. I know Tsushima that game is, was some people play it like game. a. Like a background simulator. Art was really good. But my favorite my favorite thing about Tsushima was its UI. Yeah? It was incredibly minimalistic and done incredibly well. Well, sorry, Ghost of Tsushima, but uh, Last of Us Part 2 got best audio design, so uh, fuck off. Um, <laughs> well, I was saying well, UI, not audio design. Oh, sorry. I thought you said... <laughs> I thought you said something about audio. No, UI I was user good? interface. It's incredibly minimalistic. It's It's... Just like that cool. game is a lesson in UI design. Okay, nice. Laura Bailey got best performance as Abby, um, but also Ashley Johnson as Ellie was uh, was a contender. That's dumb. Um, and uh, Daisuke Suji as uh, Jin Sakai. Let's see. There's games for impact. They got they gave Tell Me Why game for impact, which actually I don't know. Like I. I'm a little disappointed by that because I think tell me why from what I heard about it is it just didn't take any actual risks or do anything with the like it was so scared to actually harm or or hurt like it's it's like trans you know characters and stuff that um it didn't want to just create a a, a narrative of tragedy which I think is like I totally appreciate that but also um Apparently, like nothing happens to the characters, really. And there's not like really any arcs or development. Um, and if, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, best ongoing No Man's Sky. I like that it won it over Fortnite because fuck yeah. Um, best indie. Uh, Hades won that. Definitely deserved um, that. Yeah. Uh, Carrie and Fall Guys, Spelunky 2 and Spirit Fair were all up there. Um, best mobile game. <laughs> Take a guess. I didn't even know this uh, this existed, uh, um, but uh yeah, Among Us, of course, won that. Yeah. 
Um, but Genshin Impact and like Call of Duty Mobile were up there. Genshin Impact is Pokemon because it's like not a. Mobile, is it really a mobile, mobile game? game? You know, like yeah, no. it's. I mean, I guess it kind of is though. Like Hearthstone is a mobile game. Legends of Runeterra is a mobile game. Yeah, but like, have you played Genshin Impact? It doesn't. Well, but that's the. You can play it on a phone. You can, but it's not. It's like how it's. It's a three D open world RPG. I don't know. I've done that before. Uh, also, Pokemon Cafe Mix is on best mobile game uh, contenders, which is just not. It's not. It's nothing. It's there's there's no game there. It's a baby game. I don't. I mean, like literally, you're just swirling stuff. It's stupid. Uh, best community mobile support. Games are uh, support. Fall Guys got best community support, which I guess I don't really know why. Ape Legs, Destiny 2, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, and Valorant were all contenders. I'm fine if No Man's Sky didn't get that, although I think that that is. I think there's a strong case to be made there. But like, what did Fall Guys do to give community support? I, nope. I don't know what they're in reference to. People like complained about having two little maps and they gave them more maps. I guess. But like, I feel like, you know, a Destiny 2 or an Ape Legs, like I feel like a, a game like that or Valorant would have worked significantly harder to support the community. Uh, Half-Life Alex got best VR. No surprises there. Uh, innovation and accessibility. Oh, Last of Us Part 2. To be Appar- fair, their accessibility options are great. Yeah, apparently pushing the medium forward by adding a lot of features, technology, and content help games be played. Cool, I guess. Valhalla and Legion were both up there in terms of, like, they were both contenders for that, I guess. Best action. Hades got best action. I'm cool That's with that. That's should. Doom Eternal, uh, Neo 2, Half-Life Alex, and Streets of Rage 4 were all um, contenders. Best Action Adventure, Last of Us Part 2. Fallen Order, uh, Miles Morales, Ghost of Tsushima, Assassin's Creed, Valhalla, and Will of the Wisps were, were the contenders for that one. I feel like I, I don't enjoyed, know anything I about Valhalla. And if it's just yet another like of the Assassin's Creed Odyssey-esque, like we're just going to put so many fucking things to do. Like, I don't I'm know. fine if it didn't win that. But I feel like Miles Morales was the best example of like this year of like extremely tight, no, you know, no unnecessary content. It's on the other end of that spectrum. I really liked Ghost of Tsushima's uh, gameplay. I thought the, Did the you? sword fighting was really cool. I don't doubt it. I mean, I'm assuming it probably beats out Fallen Order. Uh, Fallen Order sounded like it was kind of my first Dark Souls in terms of yeah, like, uh, like it was a Dark Soul. It was a Souls light. It was definitely a Souls light. I Fallen Order is just really good because it was like the first Star Wars game that we've had that's been really good in like ten years. Also, it's made by Respawn, and I'll always represent them. I mean, make another Titanfall, please. <laughs> I see. I see what you're doing. Final Fantasy VII got best role playing over uh, Genshin, Persona Five, Royal, Wasteland Three, and Yakuza Like a Dragon. I don't know. I'm kind of shrugging like at that. Like a That's dragon, touch um, for the very first time. <laughs> uh, then there's like best fighting, but I don't really pay attention to that. Animal Crossing got best family, which is just like for for the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective. Which first of all is not a word. I hate that they use that family um, play. Uh, that no, sounds irrespective. Like, that sounds like some weird, platform. like, kink word. Are you interested in family? What? The other games on the list were... I'm just... I'm ignoring that. Uh, <laughs> uh, were Crash Bandicoot 4, Fallout... Uh, or Fall Guys. Fallout Guys! <laughs> Mario Kart Live, the home circuit, which is, like, 
not that's I don't know. That feels like a very tone deaf. The requirements to use that, the fact that it even made it onto this list is like you need to have wood floors. Uh, you need to be able to afford to spend like $80 on a Mario Kart. And it's basically just like a very, I don't know, whatever. Minecraft Dungeons and then um, the Origami King Paper Mario. Uh, best sim went to Microsoft Flight Sim. Um over Crusader Kings 3, which annoys me a little bit. Also, Gears Tactic and Desperados 3 were up there, but I don't think they needed it. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 got Best Sports Slash Racing, which I'm cool with. Yeah, deserve, they deserve it. Fine by me. Uh, Among Us got Best Multi over Multiplayer over AC, Call of Duty, Fall Guys, Valorant. And Content Creator of the Year, which I did not know was a thing, went to Valkyrie. Valkyrie? Don't know who that is. Nope. Yeah, me neither. Best debut game, Phasmophobia. Um, best esports athlete. Why do you even? What, is, <laughs> what does that even mean? Best esports athlete. What's good? Like what? Like best at what? Best at the game that they play, respectively, or like best at? I mean, apparently they play league. Are they a, a humanitarian? Oh, a philanthropist? Who are they? uh showmaker oh i've heard of showmaker i don't know them personally but I've heard. are of they them. like a good person or something like what makes them the best esports athlete that's such a well, vague frank they're the best esports athlete this year <laughs> this year so stupid that's so dumb best esports coach now this, like that, I could argue more, like I could see that because coaching is something that's a little bit more universal. It's about how you manage people, you know, and like, you know, pull out their stuff. Uh, is some CSGO guy named Zonic. Yannick? Uh, let's see. Then best, apparently best esports event. Best, okay, this one annoyed me. Best esports game. Maybe you can, you can, you can lend some, shed some light on this. Why did League get best esports game of 2020 over Valorant? Or, I mean, I don't really care about CSGO, but like Fortnite and Val- like Valorant came out this year, man. Valorant should have gotten That's it. That's pretty funny. Valorant is made by the same company. I know right. it is, but like it's so much like they're trying something new. It's like taking hero shooters and mixing in like CSGO shit. Like that's far more interesting than not to shit on League or anything. It's just League's been around forever. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, I think League is a really good esports game. Sure, but like, what did they do specifically this year to make it like, oh, is that was the Nothing. meta really good this year? I don't know. It, it didn't seem like any different to me besides they fucked it with the new items. <laughs> Welcome to the Game Awards sponsored by Riot Games. Uh, so this year we've been really thinking about it and uh, we think that the best esports game 20 years running now will be league well they were but they should have if they were sponsored by right they probably would have given it to valorant so valorant got more you know publicity because right. i played yeah. valorant it's i don't like it because it's too much like csgo it's oh, the okay. classic i start i get instantly headshot i wait for five minutes and then i get to play another for another 10 seconds <laughs> yeah i heard it's the kind of game where you really need to like like you need to aggressively spend time learning how to play it in order to like actually find the fun um, that it's a game that yep. is heavily competitive <laughs> but yeah let's see best esports host and All i right. think this is why valorant's gonna fail it's because 
in order to be to have fun with it, you need to be good at it. And in order to be good at it, you need to play hundreds of hours. And so the only people that would do that would be the people that play CSGO, but yep. they're playing CSGO. Why would they play Valorant? Well, I think I've, I've heard that a lot of people are making a transition. Or not making a transition, but like adding it to their sort of rotation because they think Valorant is being taken seriously as a... And of course, with when you have Riot doing the, you know championships and stuff there can be some serious money to be made there so if you like are in the csgo world also didn't they launch legends of runeterra isn't that also riot yeah legends of runeterra is a card game yeah i've been i've been hearing good things about it a lot of well a lot of a lot of whiny babies in uh hearthstone the hearthstone reddit community are like oh congratulations you made me want to switch over to legends of runeterra i've never had more fun um makes me want to try it yeah, I think it's fine, especially, you know, as a League of Legends player, I like seeing my champions represented. I'm a big Demacia player. Okay. Yep. Garen's also, they're doing... Waifu. All right. Uh, they're... Uh, who? Garen. I'll, I'll send you a Garen? Garen. Garen build was the first thing that I saw online. Ooh. Oh, those shoulder plates. I know, man. right? <laughs> Woof. That's uh, got to have some big shoulders to have shoulder plates like that. Yep. Or a very small head. He looks like he looks like a space marine in fantasy art. <laughs> hey, this is a good skin. I like this one. I'll send you. Okay, I sent this you. This is like a cyberpunk. Uh, oh, one. Yeah, I'm showing. I'm showing you. It's got cyberpunk. like fingerless yeah. gloves and stuff. Yeah. Look at that chest. Ooh. It's from Yakuza like a dragon. Yep. Uh, shit, it's been half an hour. We should, uh, we should start the episode, huh? Yep. Probably.